Welcome to the Family Express podcast, where our destination is resilient and connected families. Come aboard with your hosts, marriage and family therapists, Catherine DeBruin and Rhonda Evans, to explore the world of emotionally focused family therapy, a model developed by Sue Johnson and colleagues. Together with our guest speakers, our travels will map the EFFT landscape, highlighting lessons learned, shared fears, and the passion and curiosity that bonds our community. Welcome back, everybody. We are so excited for our guest speaker today, coming all the way to us from Egypt. Today, we have with us Iman Ansi, and she is going to tell us all about who she is. Um, Just as a brief intro, Iman is the uh, leader for Egypt EFT community, and we are so honored uh, to have her here, especially given the time difference. So, Iman, thank you so much for making time for us in your day um, and spending time with us today. Um, And let's just start off with the first question about um, yeah, family therapy, uh, EFFT in Egypt. Catherine? Hi, Iman. It's so amazing to, to see you. And I'm so excited to be seeing you in person in January. And I'm just super curious about emotionally focused family therapy in your country. Tell us a little bit about what's happening there. It's my pleasure. Uh, it's my pleasure to meet you, Rhonda, for the first time. And it's my pleasure to meet you, Catherine. And I'm so excited, so, so excited about seeing you, um, hopefully, in a couple of months. For sure. I'm counting on it. So how much EFFT is is in Egypt, in your community? So it has been new field somehow. And to be formally presented by ISF, this will happen in a couple of months. Yet we still have family therapists who work with emotionally focused therapy with families uh, those people has uh, been in in the field who took uh, courses with ISEF we have few people who practice this and then we know them by names so when we want to refer uh, families to EFFT therapists we know how many people uh, how many therapists here are practicing EFFT hopefully in a couple of months or in three months we will have more people practicing EFFT Iman, so as you're starting to do emotionally focused family therapy, how is that going over with Egyptian families? Um, Do you think it's appropriate for them? What's working? What's not working? It's very appropriate approach. Actually, EFFT, because it is based on attachment theory, it works perfectly with Egyptian families. Because... Uh, we are in a culture that like warmth, that like closing, that like people to be always close to each other. Uh, they don't. Um, uh, they don't like to be depend- independent and leave the house early, for example. So, EFFT specifically with families in Egypt, it talks from an attachment perspective. It reframe the language between the family members from an attachment lens which works very uh, good because it's not just adding structure or adding strict rules it shows and brings up the the love and warmth in each family member towards the other family members so for me EFFT was like a magic even with my family, when I had issues with my kids, and then we worked with EFFT, um, 
I found that I'm able to connect with them on a different level. I'm able to communicate with them um, in a very warmly manner that brought us all together. And this is different than a systemic approach only or existential. So what I like about EFT, it is the three pillars is very humanistic. So it doesn't have to be specific for a specific, it doesn't have to be for a specific culture. It is wider than this. So applying, being working with this uh, in, in the psychology field for the last 15 years, uh, trying to take other modalities from a Western perspective or background and then trying to apply it on an Arabic culture, an Egyptian culture, it creates some differences. I didn't find this with EFT because it's all about my relationship and how I apply this relationship with my family, with my family members, with my kids, with my parents, with my husband. So it doesn't have to be specific for something that I can't apply in in family. Here. That's amazing. Wow. Thank you for explaining that, Iman. And so the attachment part of the model really speaks to your culture. And of course, in EFFT, it's important for us to get the decision makers in the room, the parents, the caregivers with power. And so as you invite families into the family therapy setting, um, are they, is that a pretty easy buy-in from parents and caregivers? Are they happy to all come in? What are you finding? Let me um, reframe it. Stigma about seeking therapy. 10 years ago is completely different than what we see now. Oh, so, really? Uh, yeah. And unfortunately, media has part of this in the past that they used to um, film those who seek therapy, that they have a big problem, that they, are, that they have personality disorders and all this stuff. However, with the spread of therapy and spread of modalities and uh, neurotics and then it's it's not about uh, psychotics who also who only seek uh, seek therapy it start to be in being taken in different direction and then we can see now therapists who uh, we can see now in media that therapists okay being framed as very understanding people and stigma start to get less in seeking therapy. So this is one part of media. The other part is word of mouth. When they have problem, it was the first uh, point is to seek advice from other family members or from scholar or from parent or from anyone. And this was even a question in my uh, thesis, in my research 10 years ago. That when you have a problem, would you like to seek therapy firstly, or you will go to someone firstly? And they mentioned that they have many people to seek their advice before seeking therapy, like parent, like scholar, like mentor, and any others. And then, so uh, there is media, there is word of mouth regarding families to be, to zoom in and make it more focused on family therapy. Uh, regarding families, which I can say confidently that there are many families who accept or it's easier for them to seek help for their children. 
or for their problems with their teens, but not for themselves. And the challenge appears when they discover that the way they treat their kids with, the way they have a problem, the way they are trying their old schools to do it again with their with their kids is not working. The, the, the old schools, I mean, the way they have been raised up, when they try it with their kids, it doesn't work uh, with these days. So uh, the spread is getting better for the family therapy and is getting wider and faster than my expectations in the recent years because of word of mouth, because of uh, the media that takes it from a different perspective these days and because of the professional therapists. So we have now... Uh, more professional therapists than before by far so it's easier to find a professional therapist one of points that was mentioned in my uh, research as well is if you know there is a professional therapist what would prevent you from seeking it and then the major point was that if they are um, if they are in a different area so they, they, they don't want to, to drive for long, for example, to reach a therapist. But now this is not an issue because it's really different than, um, uh, than what we have. Wow. Okay. So let's see if I'm, let's see if I'm tracking Iman, that was such great information. So if we start off with what you were saying about the stigma is changing of seeking out help. Um, and you were saying that it's easier for the parents to seek help for their kids and teens. And I think that would be, um, similar to what we see in, uh, in the U.S. Um, parents are more likely to reach out for help for their kids and teens. Um, and what you were saying about, uh, the barriers, uh, not wanting to drive a long distance when there were less professionals, that barrier is actually being removed because there are more professionals in the field, um, more helpers. Um, that's, I'm so like, I had no idea about that. So I'm really happy to hear about that. And, um, as far as, uh, them seeking help your your dissertation was about who they might seek help from first and if i heard if i understood you correctly your research found that they're more likely to seek out help from a mentor or a friend or someone like that and then they might a second option would be a professional um and so i guess i'm wondering just for clarity's sake is that also changing or is that or are we are we not sure about that yet are they are they still kind of turning to someone they know first and then getting a, a personal referral i'm just wondering about that just for, just for clarity from a statistical point of view i i didn't do the same research or the same question again after 10 years but from my experience i definitely say that it's changing very much and it's completely different than 10 years ago um for example, my class, when we graduated from the American University in Cairo, we were seven uh, students. Uh, and now I think we can see like master's students every year from different universities in Egypt or who are graduating from master's outside Egypt and then they come to practice inside Egypt. I think they, they, they may be like up to 50 participants, uh, 50 students or 50 master's students. I don't have accurate numbers, 
But from my observation, from my work in the field and from my supervision for uh, uh, newly uh, supervisees or newly mastered students, uh, this is my observation. Wow, that seems like quite a shift in 10 years to go from 7 to 50 um, coming into the area. So that's that's incredible. That's incredible. Catherine? Iman, it sounded like you said the the difficulty when families are coming in now with their children is that the way they were parented in their generation is very different to what children and families are being exposed to today through the media. And I was wondering if you could talk a little more to that culture clash or generational clash or what do you see happening? What are the different values or how has the, how is and has the parenting landscape changed, do you think? Personally, I can see it first of all with my children before before taking any observation about the whole community. So speaking about my children is um, 10 years ago is different than raising them up these days with the spread of social media and the spread of many things that is exposing them and, and let them, the exposure for them is wider than my exposure. So thinking of me personally, if I'm thinking of the way my mom and my dad raised me up, if I tried these the same traditions and the same way with my kids, if it worked 10 years ago, it will never work these days. Wow. So Ooh, could you could you give us an example of one of those maybe? Yeah. So for example, this is a recent uh conflict sometimes. Uh when I want them to come on a specific time before it's too late, and then we have this application life uh 360. Uh, so we know where are them and then my husband's just telling me since we know where are them and since we know that they are not coming uh, they are not taking sleepover outside so there is no need to make fuss around their arrival time it differs from one family to another but since they are if they live abroad and because my kids in international schools so if they have been living abroad they might have lived us at 16 years old now they are 18 years old so they think like that we are already doing a favor for you that we are still staying with you in the same house and thinking of myself when i was their age i cannot ever tell something like this to my parents or and the same happened for my grandparents so it's like that ancestors are moving the same tradition from one generation to another from one generation to another with some uh, modifications uh, but this year the modifications is is faster than the way we can do it uh, there is a say for for one of uh, Islamic scholars who said, uh, raise your kids, not for your generation, but for the coming generations. Don't raise it for the day they live in. Raise, raise up them for a day that is still coming in the future. Wow, so, that's a beautiful, that's a wow, beautiful Wow, my mind idea. is blown. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Don't raise your children in your generation, but with the generation in mind that is now yeah. or their future. Wow. And so, Iman, you're saying you would have been so respectful and obedient and if your parents had ever told you to do something like be home at a certain time, you would have just done it. There would have been no conversation. And now that's very different with your teenagers. Yeah, there should be conversation. There should be convincing. Convince me. Uh, uh, if you want me to obey this rule, uh, what's the reason behind that? For example, there were a few things that my dad would tell me, it's just a rule. You don't need to know uh, the reason behind obeying this rule or applying this rule. And this, I don't think it will ever happen with my kids. And if I want them to be analytical, not to be obeying everyone in their school, uh, to think what, so I want them to uh, not to argue with me or not to argue with me when I am not in a good mood, <laughs> but at least <laughs> to think of things and and uh, find the reason why they are doing this. Gosh, Iman, that's such a change. That's such a change. And, wow. and I so appreciate your personal family example as you manage this. And, and I'm wondering about Parents across Egypt, are, 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 many of them are probably experiencing these changes. Mm -hmm. And how do you make that adjustment of wanting that sheer respect from a child and yet at the same time understanding that things are changing and maybe respect is even defined differently or how do you do that as a parent? I love, I love what you're doing saying, hey, I can't have it both ways. If I want children who can think for themselves, then it is going to affect the conversations we have in our family system. And yet you're caught between these two generational worlds, right? Around parenting and different values. How do you manage that inside of yourself? I will speak about the last 15 minutes now. I will tell you the story. This is very much alive for you, even <laughs> even today. Yes. Yeah. And this is what we do in sessions here and now. So I will tell you here and now what's going on around me because maybe people who hear us may have been hearing some noise around me. So <laughs> Thank you. I, I calculated uh, the time difference mistakenly and I thought that we will meet at nine, my time, not your time. So by nine, my time, I was supposed to be in my uh, office at home and then be ready for this. Then uh, uh, checking the time, I discovered that it is 7 p.m., not 9 p.m. my time. So I had to do our uh, interview from the car. And interestingly, this is a new car. So I just had, uh, I just started driving it yesterday. And because my boys are around, so they got something and they put a sticker on the glass in front of me now as I'm speaking with you. And my, I did my best to regulate my emotions because if I left it to myself, I would shout at them because the sticker stuck to glass and they couldn't remove it. So I remember that there's, they did a mistake and they have to solve it their way. Even uh, so, they told me if we left it, it will stick more. We need to remove it right now. 
So they made lots of noise to remove it. At the same time, I'm speaking with Rhonda for the first time. I'm speaking with Catherine. I'm doing my best to focus. And they are cleaning the glass in front of me. So I want to teach them to solve the consequences of what they did. Uh, and I don't want to ruin my day. <laughs> and because if I shouted at them in front of their friends, it will be a dramatic scene. So I, I decided to stay in the car, uh, focus with you, and leave them to fix what happened. And as we are speaking now, they clean the glass. Uh, the, the disadvantage that happened is that there was some noise during my speak with you at the beginning, but it's managed and the glass is clean now. So <laughs> at least they fixed what happened. So this is, this is a, 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 if I'm not going that far. So when, we, when they do something, I want them to commit. When they say a word, I want them to commit. He told me I want to solve it. Just allow me to solve it. When they do a mistake, they have to uh, carry on the consequences for this mistake. Uh, at the same moment, it's very important to know that I'm in at their back, so I'm not um, I'm I'm not going to embarrass them in front of others. I'm at their back, uh, and if mistakes happened from me in front uh, towards them we come and um we come and revisit it again and um, and i try to repair oh my gosh what an example right now live during the interview and i i just love what you're saying iman about honoring their autonomy and that they're saying i want to solve it i'm going to figure this out Yes, mom, I know you have this interview to do. And on then on your side of you saying, okay, I have got to kind of relinquish this moment and let you solve it the way you need to. This is a good learning opportunity for your, for your, your kiddos, your teens. Um, and, and you're saying, I'm, I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to embarrass you in front of your kids. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. And I can just feel the, this teachable moment, uh, honestly, feel like any way for both of you on both sides is you have to kind of, oh, okay, let my kiddos think for themselves, have this autonomy. And to do that, there, there's a little bit of discomfort on your end. I think as all parents would agree, like that growing moment, it's like, okay, it's a little uncomfortable for us. Um, I just love what you're saying that it, and, and that, that it's happening right here live as it's, as we're recording. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a what a moment and flexibility. Uh, you know, just um, I guess for me, just like noticing that even right here, there's an opportunity for both on both sides, and these opportunities happen when you don't they don't they're not planned, right? They just happen to happen, and we have to slow our life down and make space on both sides because real life happens you know, when other stuff is happening, right? Real life happens when other stuff happens and we can't just kind of, we could lose the opportunity. And I love how you're saying, even right now, right here, as a parent, I'm making the opportunity. I'm taking it. I'm slowing down. I'm seeing it. And really on both sides, are, there's benefit. I will thank you for this reflection. And I want to add one thing. Perfect. I will borrow this word slowing down. So one of key successful words for me is slowing down 
at the moment that they want everything to be fast. So mm. with the pace of their life, they want everything to be taken quickly, fast. They don't want to wait. And as I learned that slowing down will allow us to process and digest the emotional experiences that we are going through. So uh, it takes time to to present these concepts for them. It's something against their will. It's something against their willingness to do. Is It's something against what they want to approach in their lives. They want everything to be fast. So I'm just reminding them every now and then that we need to slow down. I'm telling this to myself even before telling it to them. And uh, especially, for example, with electronics, they are very fast. So they're faster than me. And then when I get something new, um, mm, I know that um, <laughs> it's like that I'm um, baby compared to you. So just give me one step at a moment. One lesson at a moment, because more than this, I will not be able to take it or to digest it or to process it or anything. I think a lot of us uh, parents can relate to that. Iman, I don't think you're alone. <laughs> the technology <laughs> is getting faster for me, and I really thought I could keep up, um, and I can't. Uh, my kiddo is only four, though, so he's not quite teaching me things about electronics, but I just know that will come my way pretty soon here as he gets older. Um, I think the next kind of place that this takes me is um, how do you, how do the counselors in Egypt, how do they help families with this respect piece, um, especially when the parents are struggling to make the shift that you are making, right? So you're saying, I have to do this different. I can't just do the model that my parents did for me. Um, it's changed in the, in the decade. And how are the counselors, the family therapists helping these families with this with this shift, um, especially when there's a struggle to make the shift? Okay, there are many factors to make the, the therapy works with, with such families. So the presence of, of therapists, the, the real presence of therapists that he or she is true self is not adding a mask of therapist. No, I'm a human. I feel what you are saying, Rhonda. I feel you as, as a mother struggling as I was. in. I, I am in your place. I'm struggling with my kids the same way. So being present, being humanistic, doing it from a, um, a humanistic perspective. So we are not, um, it's not that I'm authoritative because I'm therapist. No, we are both humans. We are both like sisters keeping all boundaries, respecting all boundaries, uh, no dual relationship, therapist-client relationship is the only relationship between me and the, and, uh, and the, the rest of family. Uh, uh, yet, when they feel, I'm a mom, I am a sister for, for this, uh, I'm a sister for, uh, for my sister, for example, who whom I have problems with before, for example, or with my siblings, or uh, all these appear inside the session genuinely. Mm. So they start to feel that it may work. We have tried many other things, and why not to try something new? And then I'm transparent with them, or the therapist usually are transparent with them so let's give it a try let's give it an opportunity you have been trying several things you tried your old 
way of raising kids up. You tried your parents' way. And now you are here in therapy room. Why not to give this a chance for the coming three months or six months? I'm not over-promising that your life will shift. But sometimes I, I give them like, uh, uh, or in a few sessions, sometimes we say, at least you are not, the gap is not increasing. If the gap is still the same, that's an improvement. Otherwise, the gap was increasing day to day. So at least you are, the gap is not, uh, is not increasing, which means that you will come closer by time. And as we speak about EFFT specifically, it, may, it, it works as magic uh, uh, because who, um, who doesn't want to feel that uh, my mom is caring for me or I care for my baby, uh, my kids. So such words, it's like that it dissolves the ice that was built throughout the weeks or the years before coming to therapy. Wow. Okay. So I think, I think you're speaking to, um, us, us clinicians being real in the room, that, that humanistic realness. Um, and then through that, building an alliance with the family. And, um, there, there's more maybe through that alliance building to help them even make the shift into what EFFT offers, um, and to help make the shift in their own parenting is coming alongside them in that alliance. And then that might open them up to a willingness or a curiosity to see what EFFT has to offer. And yeah, it's different from what they've tried, but they've tried other things and the gaps kept getting bigger. And, um, maybe through the alliance building, they can come in with more curiosity or more willingness to try something that's new to them. And new things are scary. And we understand that as therapists. Mm -hmm. And we want to work so hard to help them feel safe to bring that curiosity and willingness. And I, I just I can I can see similarities um in my work with with my clients and my families is there's some skepticism or there's some, hey, I had bad experience with other therapists and it's really hard for me just to walk in the door. Um, and just honoring that with them and, um, yeah, being there with them, even just how they feel about therapy, I think is super important. Yeah, I agree with you very much. Thank you, Iman. It also sounds like you're really tapping into that attachment in the family system, saying that every parent wants to feel like a successful parent, right? Parents want to provide these opportunities to children, feel close to them at times. And as you as you tap into that attachment magic, um, that that is the thing that can move parents to make these very difficult shifts in how they've been raised and doing it dif differently today. Yeah, very much. And it is very powerful more than guilt feeling, to be honest, because the way that is common is um, either raising guilt, raising by um, guilt or me as a mother I feel guilty towards my kids I feel I'm, I'm not doing enough for them so I'm trying to do more for them which is usually brings more helplessness feeling and more um, uh, heaviness on my on my plate so I'm not moving on the other side when I see them or deal with them from 
this is my longing to be a good parent, to be a good mom. It's completely different than working with them or uh, practicing motherhood with them from a guilt feeling and from a fear of not being good mother for them. That's something I think we can all relate to as moms. Mm -hmm. And I love that in that EFFT model, we really are leaning in and co-regulating with the parent in front of us. And so coming alongside those deep feelings of, of feeling guilt or shame or concern, whatever is blocking the parent, right? That we can come in and, and help them with that. And know again that each parent is, is desperate to be a, a good, successful parent with their kids and maintain those relationships and see children be the best that they can be. And so when we believe in that intention and we come alongside them, we can co-regulate together. Yeah. And this is a relief. <laughs> and then relief comes. Yay. <laughs> Yay. And so, Iman, I suppose we just want to end with thanking you so much for your time, for um, being a busy mom on this evening, your time with your kiddos, doing all kinds of amazing things in the community and you handling them and speaking to <laughs> us and just doing real family life um, with us tonight. It's really an honor to hear from you and so appreciate you sharing just in such a, a heartfelt way about your own experience and family. We, we don't take that lightly. Thank you for being you and sharing a bit of this with us. Yes, thank and you I'm so much. You. <laughs> no, we're thanking you. <laughs> we're thanking you. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for your transparency and for your openness, um, for bringing your heart to the conversation. It was it was beautiful to meet you. I hope to cross paths with you again in the future. Um, and I think for now, we'll just say thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you thank all, and looking forward to see you. Thank you, Iman. I can't wait to see you and take on some EFFT cases with you in the very <laughs> near uh, future and uh, look forward to hearing more about how EFFT develops in Egypt. Thank you and oh. good night. Take care. Thank you. That's it for today, folks. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you again for our next journey.